When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. It's Dave here. Darren over there. Ty Chandler versus Alexander Madison. Who will be the starter? That is the question. It's not quite Shakespearean. But it'll be the first theme we tackle today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Old Bloggers with Darren and Dave. Today we're going to delve into some critical discussions about our beloved Minnesota Vikings. We're going to start by addressing the ongoing debate of Ty Chandler and Alexander Madison, exploring their performances and the potential implications for our running back position. We'll... We will then shine a spotlight on two unsung heroes in the Vikings lineup so far this season. We appreciate the efforts of Brandon Powell and DJ Wanham, Mr. Cleanup Man, who's getting a little bit beyond that nickname. Both have significantly contributed, 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 to the team's success. And believe it or not, I've only had half a dram. I know it seems unbelievable, but that is the case. And finally, we're going to get into what you all came for, the game preview between your Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. We'll talk about strategies and potential challenges and what we can expect from this matchup, part two. We'll talk... uh, So sit back, relax, grab your favorite beverage like I already have, 
and let's get down for some serious Vikings talk on Two Old Bloggers. Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. Hey everybody, Dave and Darren here. We want to welcome you to the show, and I see there's quite a few out there. We have Davey Chains, Raymond, Josue, glad for you to join us. My Worthless Opinion, the doctor's in the house. Hey there, doctor. Travis is here. We also have, who else is here, showed up? Justin, my good friend Justin, who does podcasts for us, and our post-game show. Right, Justin? And, uh... We're glad to have you. And there's little JJ Vikings, the man, the myth, the legend, the young up and comer who will take this business by storm. Probably within the next 10 years or so, I expect great things out of you, young man. Great things. And you're on the way to do it. All right. Let's get this started, as I said before. First off, Darren, how are things in the Great White North? No complaints, Dave. How are things in Austin, Texas for you? Ah, they're pretty good. I've been busy. I took most of yesterday, got up ah, probably 80% of the Christmas decorations after uh, a wonderful Thanksgiving. I just stuffed myself. Ah, God, it was wonderful. Turned out perfect. Yeah. I, one of the best ones I've ever fixed, even though it was relatively small. Got one of those butterball, they call it a roast, but it's just a mash of different pieces of meat shoved in a roast bag and then roasted that. It was perfect for two of us, and it, it turned out great. So, I Happy look and sound drunk. That's interesting, JJ. I have not drank that much. I've literally drank half an ounce, if that. And uh, so, look drunk. Eh, I may always look like this. This is the way I normally look. Is it not? <laughs> You look sober as a judge to me, Dave. I don't know. <laughs> but you've known me for way too long. <laughs> hey, Yogi. Hey, fi Fanny, Fanny, Mikey. Whoa. I'll let you go with that. I live in Texas there, Fanny. Um, wasn't born here, but I do live here now. Love it. Outside of Austin. Great place. Fantastic. All right. Now let's get to theme one. More Chandler or not? <laughs> yes, Dave. To use Ty Chandler more than Alexander Madison or not to use Ty Chandler more than Alexander Madison? That is the question, mm -hmm. or at least one of the questions, uh, as the Vikings make this playoff push. Um, you know, no secret to anybody who follows the Vikings, running game has been pretty uh, poor almost all year. And Alexander Madison's um, ineffectiveness a lot of times as the number one running back has been one of the, you know, the culprits, one of the, the reasons why that's been the case, I think. There's other reasons too, but that's certainly one of them. So if you've watched this show uh, regularly, you know, folks, that Dave and I have spoken many times since the season started. We've been waiting, like begging Kevin O'Connell to find anybody, some warm body, to at least split the carries with Alexander Madison or 
hand over the starting running back job to somebody else other than Alexander Madison to maybe try to give this running game a spark, jump started, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and uh, even at the beginning of the season, Dave, I think um, we talked about it. At that point, Ty Chandler was your number two guy behind Alexander Madison. That's how it shook out. And we were kind of hoping, well, you know, maybe it'll be 70, 30, 70% of the carries touches will go to Alexander Madison. 30% will go to Ty Chandler. And then we'll see how it goes from there. Well, the first two or three games, it was about 95% Alexander Madison and about 5% Ty Chandler. So that didn't work out. Our running game was still shit. Uh, And then the Vikings made the trade for Cam Akers. So then we're like, ah, well, when Cam Akers, you know, our hope was when Cam Akers starts to learn the offense better, maybe he'll take over for Alexander Madison and be the number one guy and Madison will get dropped to number two. Well, that didn't happen either because Akers didn't get as many opportunities as we would have liked. I think Dave, when he did get them. Not row. It looks like Darren's internet just took a dump. Oh, that happens. He'll come back in. Not to worry. He was talking about how when Akers did take him, we did see some nice things. And Akers was working his way to become the starting running back, or at least get more and more time doing it. And then, of course, Akers, you heard up pop as the Achilles tendon went kablooey. And no more acres. Back again comes Ty Chandler. Yep. Oh no, Yogi. I know. It's uh he got hit with a solar flare or something, but his internet just went took a dump and he is frozen solid. And I guess that's what happens when you live above the Arctic Circle. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But as you can see, he just disappeared, which tells me he's going to be back here shortly. Okay. First off, I'd like to acknowledge everybody that's still here while we wait on him. Uh, yes, Davey. The Wi-Fi went down on the do line again. And for those that you don't know, the do line was a, anti, was a radar set up across the northern Canada to protect against the Russians coming across and starting World War III during the Cold War. Yes, perfect time to sip a shot. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, solid like a rock. There you go, Darren. The perils of having the Wi-Fi. Yeah, we Lose just figured. And then I disappear. It, and we figured it was a solar flare or something. Something <laughs> up in Canada. <laughs> Maybe a satellite crashed or, you know. Back, back, whether you like it or not. <laughs> but we're talking about acres. We got acres. Akers played well, getting more and more time, and then... Yep. Get more and more time, then the Achilles happens, so he's out of the question. Then it's back to Chandler as the number two guy. And uh, and so now, in the two games where Chandler has, since we lost Akers, and Chandler's been the number two guy, and has gotten uh, much more touches, snaps, than he did early in the season, you know, the returns I think have been looking, you know, pretty good in the, against the saints and then against the Bron and against the donkeys, he's had uh, 15 carries for 115 yards, which is pretty damn good. And then didn't have any catches against the saints, but he had four catches for 37 yards against the Broncos and some pretty key catches there as well. Um, 
So, you know, that looks pretty good. And then so the question becomes, okay, is now the time for to give Ty Chandler the number one shot at the job compared to Alexander Madison, who is, according to PFF, is the 54th running back that they've got uh, rated out of the 60 running backs that they have um, have ranked this year. Um, and that's probably based on the amount of snaps that they have as well, but but uh, or carries that they have. But it anyway, uh, anyway, it's slice it. Not very good ranking. Um, so, you know, that is the question. Is now the time to that Chandler is going to take over the number one role? Is now a good time to do a jumpstart that rushing game? And I, I think, you know, Dave, that the problem with that is that um, I think it looks good. I uh, got to keep in mind that, uh, um, but uh, maybe that would be the case, except last game against the Broncos, Alexander Madison probably had, had his best rushing game of the year. So if, uh, if things had gone different against Denver with the poor rushing defense that they have, if Madison had looked really bad, but Chandler had looked good, I think that the Vikings coaching staff might react and, and take a different tack than what we might see Monday night against the Bears. Um, but the fact is, Madison played pretty well, too. Now people are going to say, well, he had that bad fumble in the third quarter, and it was bad. But... Keep in mind that Chandler also was responsible for one of the three turnovers we had that really hurt us in that he whiffed on a pass block, didn't get a good pass block on a Broncos defender who came in, hit Josh Dobbs' arm, which led to a flutter ball, which led to an interception deep in our territory. And so that, you know, Chandler didn't directly, it wasn't directly responsible for the turnover. He didn't commit it himself, but his poor pass blocking led to that situation and that turnover. So really, if, when you get look at turnovers, Madison and Chandler were even Steven there one-on-one, <laughs> right? So that's, you know, that's an issue. And I think that that play kind of illustrates maybe why Ty Chandler may not get the number one uh, running back role in these initially is the pass blocking. Uh, because if you look at, um, PFF's grades on pass blocking for Chandler. Chandler is a very, very poor 26.9 grade over a small sample size, admittedly, but that's not that great. Whereas Madison has got a 62.3 grade throughout the whole year. That's average, but much better than what Chandler has at this point. And it's not just PFF who thinks that he's Chandler's got a ways to go in pass blocking. I was listening to mention it last week, the O-Line Committee podcast video cast with Phil Mackey and former Vikings offensive lineman Jeremiah Searles and Alex Boone. Again, if you don't listen to this, you should because it's really a great um, podcast, video cast. But Mackey brought up that, that Boone and Searles have been saying since training camp that Chandler is really – needs to get much better at his pass blocking. And that's a reason why he hasn't had a larger role uh, thus far as a Viking in the, in that Vikings offense. And you hear it lots of times, Dave, where if, if uh, coaches can't trust you to pass block, they're not going to have you in the game in critical situations in key third down situations where you got to pass the ball. And so that really, I think is maybe what's holding Ty Chandler back right now uh, in a chance to vault 
over Alexander Madison as the number one guy. You know, I think in the, you know, when you take away the pass blocking, you look at Chandler and how he's played, Dave, in the two games where we've seen more and more of him, not just in preseason, but against, you know, starters in the NFL. You see the things that you like. The 4.38, 40 time that he showed in the combine, that's been on display. You know, he can, he can outrun guys who have angles on him. That's something Alexander Madison cannot do. He can take something and that, you know, uh, or a run that looks like it's going nowhere, bounce it to the outside, bounce it to the edge, outrun defenders and get to the edge and get positive yards. So he turns something into nothing. That is something Alexander Madison usually cannot do. Uh, and I found that he's, you, you know, when I see him running, Dave, uh, he's, he's patient. He allows his blocks to develop. He follows his blocks and he's good that way. And I found that he's also been, even though he's only listed a little bit over 200 pounds, that he's been a tougher runner on the inside runs than I, you know, I thought. So there's a lot of good things going for him. But again, if you can't pass block and you're going to hurt the team that way, it's hard for, unless you're Adrian Peterson, all world hall of famer, right. Uh, you're probably not, you're going to have a hard time being the regular guy if you can't pass block well. And, and that really was something. a complaint about Adrian, and it got to the point where sometimes they took him out on third downs because of it. Yeah, that is right. So we know we know Kevin O'Connell is very patient on the offensive side of things. He stuck with Ed Ingram through thick and thin the past two years, and he's actually being proven right for doing that right now. Uh, stuck with KJ Osborne last year when he was kind of invisible for a while and then turned it on at the end. And he's stuck with Alexander Madison so far and has been continued to say, Hey, you know, this guy, I see good things from him. He's, he's an important guy in our offense. He can do all the things well that we need him to do, even if our Viking fans don't feel that way. Um, but uh, I think right now I don't see a change happening, um, with the running back, situation i think madison is going to be your number one guy monday night against chicago and unless something terrible happens like he fumbles three times can't get you know go rushes for minus 10 yards and o'connell finally is fed up i think really that's going to way that's going to continue through this playoff push and maybe the best we can really hope is what we've seen the past two games where madison is your number one guy but he's getting between 18 to 20 touches and chandler's getting between 10 and 15 and you know maybe that's okay that's a, you got the thunder and lightning kind of aspect going uh and it it might work but you know i'd like to see chandler get a bigger bite in the snap count and the touches I, but i don't see that happening based on what i've seen all year from how o'connell's handled it unless again the only way that maybe i could really see it changing is that Madison gets hurt and he's out for a long time. And I'm not really keen on that because if Madison is out, A, I don't like seeing players get hurt and out for a long mm-hmm. time because that's how they make their money. That's how that's their career. I don't want to see that happening. But also, if Madison's out, then we get really, really thin at running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you're down to Ty Chandler and who else? Like Kenny Wong, who's never been given the ball on a consistent basis in three years in the NFL. And then you got Miles Gaskin, who has, but you know, how, and or Dwayne McBride. So uh, that is how I see the running back situation going right now. And Madison's still going to be your number one guy, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm seeing in the remarks how many fumbles does Ty have? Uh, he had does I don't know how many fumbles. I think it's zero. Zero. But, but he's not. He's caused some turnovers as we discussed before yes 
Alexander Madison has put the ball, put the rock on the ground. And that's inexcusable. It's, it's, it's something if you, you know, you're carrying the ball and you get the helmet of the opponent comes in and hits it and it goes out and you can't hold on it. That's okay, understandable. But when you just bloop, 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 drop it, that's not. <laughs> and hopefully, to me, that earns Chandler some more time. Chandler has his issues. By far, Chandler's the one that can play special teams. You don't want to lose him on special teams. He plays special teams exceedingly well. I want that to continue. But he's more. I think he's more explosive when he runs with the ball. The problem yeah. is, without a doubt, both of them do not run the ball or do not read their blocks, whether it be in gap or in zone running, the way we would want them to to optimize it to get to see the hole, right? Or to know this is the time I need to cut back or cut in, bounce out, do whatever the read is for the running back. People think running back's a relatively easy position. Maybe back in the day, it sort of was. You'd turn it off, hand off. You'd tell the guy ahead of time, we're heading for the three hole. Or we're going off outside of the seven, which would be outside right tackle. And you'd go that way, right? And you'd hand the ball off, and you'd aim the running back that way, and you'd go run, right? And that was his job. Well, football, and especially at this level, is a heck of a lot more complicated than that. They Even running backs have reads. They're watching as to, they know the play call, they know the notional hole they're supposed to go to. Well, what happens if that hole is closed up? What are they supposed to do? Then they're looking at different things to see which direction am I going to bounce left, bounce right? How am I going to do this? Am I going to chop my feet and wait for something? Am I going to be patient in my running style? There's all sorts of things to go with that. Then you throw in a zone where every all the linemen are moving and they're blocking an area out in front of them. You've got to be able to know the decision and by what you see as to where you need to plant your foot and go. It's that thought process up here that makes somebody like Ty Chandler, who can be explosive, into a very, very good running back. I say he's not there yet. That's why you see more of a... Some plays he's, you know, gets good yardage, and others he's in the minus one route, you know, deal just like Alexander Madison is. Madison's a different style of running back. Alexander Madison, in my opinion, has lost his top gear. But it's there. If I have my dream wish, we'd upgrade at running back, put it that way. And that's not going to happen this season. So. No. But we need to look to that in the future. And Cook in his prime is a prime example. Cook was great. Cook's washed now. And all you had to do was watch that Jets game this weekend, and you saw that again. Um, but it's – we were, were sort of playing with the best capabilities of both, and they're both meh running backs. That's what we have, folks. It's not going to get any better by the end of the season. I want Chandler's explosiveness because he can get explosive plays, and explosive plays could be key 
to winning ball games, without a doubt. But you also want positive plays. And Madison's had a lot of those, even though they're three, four yards. They're positive. They open up the playbook. So it's, it's meh, 50-50, one or the other. It's, I hope, I'm hoping, I see too much what I think is O'Connell saying, all right, you got this series. Madison, you got this series. Chandler, you got this series. Madison, Chandler. Madison, Chandler. Right? And it's like, ah. No, let's fit the guys in. You can start out that way. Madison gets the first series or Chandler gets the first series or whatever. Or you get into certain situations or certain parts of the field, get them in there. And if they're hot, keep them in there and start feeding them, feeding them the ball um, and see what happens. Bob, is McBride a bust? No, you can't say that yet. He, he was a lower, what, a seventh-round draft pick? No. He's got to have time to develop. And even at a running back, you've got to let him develop. And there's a lot of things he's got to catch up on. Like I said, in all positions, the jump from college to NFL is huge. Now, it's bigger for some more positions than others. Running back's one you think you could make that transition relatively quickly. But there's still time that you need to do that. And they've got to get through basically this season first before they even... I think are going to attempt that. So you won't see McBride unless everybody fails, and that includes uh, Kenny. Then you might see McBride called up, but that's it. I wouldn't anticipate him before that. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, doctor says Akers was going to be the savior, and we'd probably see him as the RB1 if he hadn't blown his Achilles. Doc, you're probably 100% correct. But he did blow his Achilles, and he's uh, not going to be playing. So it's Madison and Chandler. That's who you're going to roll with, barring injuries to either one of them. And then, as I said, it gets really dicey after that. Mm -hmm. But, hey, if ifs were fishes, we'd have a full netful. Anyways, on to theme two. And I know that's settled absolutely nothing. <laughs> well, um, a lot of people agree in the comments that, yeah, uh, Chandler really needs to work on his pass protection. And if he could do that and, and solidify that and improve that, then that may help him go from being the number two guy to the to number, number one, one guy. guy. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I wonder... Yeah, you know, if it hasn't happened now, you wonder if it's going to, you know, why would it magically happen over the next seven games or six games, I guess we're at. Well, it depends who he gets with. That's what, that's what you hope your running back coach helps with. You know, that drilling of what happens here. You see this, what do you do? The drilling, taking that extra time to walk it through the mental reps. You see this, what do you do? Then get on on the field and let's practice some of that. That's that's coach's jobs. You, I mean, you've got what you got so far this year. Now you have to identify. You want to play to everybody's strength, and then you want to identify the weaknesses that must be corrected. Pass blocking for running backs, one of those, and then you got to go out and fix them. That's what they get paid for. That's you know, <laughs> you do your best you can that you can do that. And if that level never is reached, you know what to look for in the draft. That's 
basically it. And, so. yeah, un- unfortunately, with the way Madison has played uh, so far and um, the fact that McBride didn't quite, hasn't quite shown what uh, we hoped he might, even though he's a seventh-round draft pick, he was a highly productive guy at UAB, but I didn't see anything in preseason that really wowed me. But uh, like what, I, what I'm getting at here is that, unfortunately, running back becomes now a need in the 2024 draft when you're hoping that you could focus on other things like quarterback, um, defensive line, line, uh, cornerback, um, that sort of thing. Maybe guard, although that seems less of an issue right now than it was at the beginning of the year, considering the way Ed Ingram has progressed and Dalton Reisner has played, you know, pretty solidly since he's been in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that brings us to theme two, like I said, and we're discussing unsung Vikings. Indeed we are, Dave, because uh, um, every NFL teams are not made up of from top to bottom studs, guys that are all pros uh, and are making the uh, Pro Bowl every year. In fact, uh, most teams don't have very many of those guys. Um, they, they <laughs> Their roster is made up of guys who are uh, solid players, uh, but not all pros, not superstars, not studs, and uh, and that's okay. With uh, you, you need those guys. You need guys who can go in there uh, relatively unnoticed, and when their number is called, they get the job done and they do it well. Maybe not at an elite level, but they they get it done. They make a positive contribution to the team, and so I wanted to. Uh, highlight a couple of guys, uh, one on offense, one on defense. I also was thinking about highlighting an unsung hero on special teams, but I couldn't really find one who's really stood out in that way. That was uh, like, a, but if somebody in the comments has an idea, uh, put her in there because uh, be happy to discuss that as well. But, you know, I, I felt on special teams, the guys that I expected to be good, Josh Metellus, Najee Thompson, Thompson, those sorts of things. Um that they've played the way I expected them to play. Collins Ruiz was making all kinds of erroneous comments in that game about the Vikings. Like he was talking about like, Oh, you know, Matt, he was praising Madison early in the game when everybody who watches the Vikings knows that he has not mm. been, you know, the guy is that, but anyway, uh, and he didn't actually talk about the Vikings a whole hell of a lot. I found it was mostly focused on Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson. So Collins Ruiz didn't do his homework on the Vikings for that game. Uh, and not not surprising because uh, it's a lot easier to talk about Russell Wilson, a guy you've watched and covered for a, over a decade, than it is to talk about a team that you haven't had. I don't think Collins Earth has done a Vikings game in two years, <laughs> or maybe more longer. Anyway, he don't watch it very much. He yeah, it's once or twice a year maximum that he gets the game. So All anyway, right. so the back to the hero top. that we're starting um, with, and uh, so. Offensively, uh, my unsung hero is drumroll, please. We even have sound effects here on my nice gadget, but I can't remember which one it is. Anyway, uh, Brandon Powell, wide receiver, kickoff returner. Um, when Powell got signed by at the in their offseason, I viewed him as a punt returner strictly. Uh, he was going to compete for that. I was also like, oh, well, isn't this cute? Another former Los Angeles Ram at the Kevin O'Connell. Surprise, surprise. Um, but uh, so that was, I was much more uh, jazzed to see what Jalen Naylor would do as potentially our number four guy. Uh, because, and Naylor, by all accounts, what we heard, he was looking really good in 
OTAs. He was really looking really good in mini camps. And then he got hurt in training camp and that carried through to the regular season. And so, but early on, so that made Brandon Powell your number four guy, basically. And pretty slow first start to the season. Powell had, I think, through the first five games, one catch on one target. He was strictly a punt returner, uh, getting a few snaps a game on the offense. Then Justin Jefferson goes down, excuse me, unfortunately. And Brandon Powell gets elevated to your number three wide receiver. Um, I thought that that might be a problem. But uh, since Brandon Powell, since JJ has gone out, Powell's usage has gone up, which isn't surprising, but he's getting averaging about four targets a game. And he's done pretty well in those in this seven games where the Vikings have clawed themselves out of a one and four start and are now six and five. He's got 22 catches, which is only two off his career high, which was last year at Los Angeles, 224 yards, which is a career high. Uh, these aren't gaudy stats, Dave, obviously, but right. uh, you know, he's, He's kind of given me that uh, Jarius Wright vibe with the Vikings. And if people remember Jarius Wright, um, here was a guy that never put up huge uh, stats with the Vikings during his time there. was usually the third or fourth receiving target on the Vikings teams. But he was a guy that when you you needed a big catch, um, he always seemed to come up with it. I think I saw one stat where he had 105 of his receptions were for first downs in his career. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, I probably had like 250 receptions or something like that his whole career. So uh, Jairus Wright made a lot of, was a very dependable guy, made a lot of clutch catches for the Vikings. And Powell he was on kind third of, down, he was just beyond yeah. the sticks and would catch it every time. Yep, yep. Never short of the sticks, he'd make it. But, but you know, Powell has come up really big with Justin Jefferson gone. Like he had a really good game against the San Francisco 49ers, a key game, I think six catches for 50-some yards. Um, he had a really good game against the Saints uh, two weeks ago. Again, four catches for 60 yards, that sort of thing, a couple of for big first downs. He caught the game-winning touchdown from Josh Dobbs against Atlanta. And, you know, he's he's shown me in what he, when he's played is that he's got – uh, he's got you know very good burst. He's he's explosive. He gets the ball. He's boom gone with it. He's got good wiggle. He can make the first guy, second guys miss. Um, not always the best hands, but a bit of a body catcher. But like he he gives you something out there, wide receiver. And as a punt returner, I've also been very happy with him um, because he's he's sure handed. He's got those things you want. He's sure handed. He's take some chances. He's not just going to simply fair catch all the time. And he has that ability like Marcus Sherrill's head to make that first guy miss uh, after he catches it. And he's averaging just under nine yards uh, a return this year, which is, which is pretty good. And I think that uh, hot take Dave, I think he's very close to breaking a punt return for a TD. Oh, I know. he's yeah. been close quite a few times. He, and that's, right there. he needs right there. to bump his average up. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were I'm trying to remember where he's at, I think he's only around eight or nine, which is still nine's average. You got to be above nine, and he's not there mm-hmm. yet. He's had a few good ones, but there's been a lot of <laughs> so I think that, but and and he's doing all this uh for just under 1.1 million per year and he's on a one-year deal so what he's given us as a third as a as the number third wide receiver 
making some key catches as well as being the regular punt returner. Brandon Power has been a bargain for us. I think a real bargain for us. A nice little under-the-radar free agent pickup by Kwesi Adolfo Mensa. And uh, and, uh, I think he's been an important, maybe underappreciated player in the Vikings' five and two surge here where they've gotten themselves back into the playoff hunt. And when Jay, Justin Jefferson comes back, whether that's on Monday night or after the bye, of course his touches are going to go down, but what he's done in the meantime, I think has been, it's been very important for the Vikings and I wanted to acknowledge, but Brandon Powell has been a nice surprise for us. And he's provided us with some, what they call yeoman's work, Dave. Mm-hmm. And, and they surprised you. Positive. Being from yes. L.A. Uh, <laughs> uh, what Doc Proto just said in the chat applies. So we don't need to get nasty. We're not here for that. There's no reason for it on either side. Don't care who started what. Don't. Keep private beefs private. All right. That brings us to our next unsung hero and this one's a surprise yeah defensively i got dj wanham as my unsung hero for the vikings um and when when quasi dofamensa signed marcus davenport in the offseason davenport was and he had to do that because they had to trade uh, Zadarius Smith for financial reasons and Smith wasn't happy with his contract. He wanted a new contract and he wasn't going to get one. So that that was a, you know, this was a solution. Signed Davenport. He was going to start opposite of the edge of Daniil Hunter and Wanham was going to be the backup like he was in 2022. Um, and Wanham really as a backup last year, even though he got a significant amount of, of playing time not as much as the previous year but he wasn't able to build on his 2021 breakout season if you want to call it that where he had eight sacks um as a backup he had four sacks last year but uh, he only had a, a sack and a half i think his final 11 games of the season and sacks aren't everything of course dave they don't always tell the full story with um with a pass rusher but I think in that case it did because Wanham really wasn't noticeable the final 11 games of the season when he wasn't getting a lot of sacks. And um, so this year, uh, you know, the hope was that Marcus Davenport was going to be the guy to get the, you know, Wanham was not going to start in capacity. He was (laughs) the whole two games he played. (laughs) That's right. Unfortunately, Davenport has played, you know, two games plus just over a quarter of a third injured before that and on injured reserve after that. And so that's Wanham's snap count had been up high. Anyway, he played 52% of defensive snaps last year in 2022 this year, even when he was the backup, he's been pretty consistently around the 80% mark. So he's playing on a lot, but since Davenport went out, DJ Wanham has really stepped up to the plate and been very consistent five sacks in six games over that stretch where Davenport's been out and uh, and so you know he's been doing really well. I think that, you know the PFF grade for DJ is still pretty mediocre, sixty one point seven for the year. That makes him sixty seventh out of one hundred and three edge rushers that they've got graded. But I think in this case, um, this PFF grade I think is doing DJ a bit of a disservice, particularly with the way he's played over the past six seven games. Um, you know DJ 
Viking fans, the, the, his effort has never been questioned, Dave. He's always a hard worker. He plays hard. He's a hustler. Th- that's how he's gotten a lot of his sacks <laughs> in his career, like just hustling and playing until the whistle. Um, the, of course, the the criticism from him is that he just he doesn't have the pass rush, of, uh, you know, the whatever you want to call it, but he, he doesn't beat his blockers a lot of times. He falls into sacks. He falls into plays. And... Um, but I feel like lately what I'm seeing is that on his sacks is that he actually is beating the blocker one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, something we have He's not seen. To. Yes. Yeah, like his sacks are not just strictly, nobody blocked me. I got an unabated, you know, journey, you know. Right, or somebody pushed the quarterback into big cleanup time. Yeah. No, he's, he's actually won a few of those battles, and that's good to see. That's progress. It is. Um, one of the other criticisms in the past I had with him, maybe particularly as a defensive end, so and now he's not a defensive end anymore, is that he was a little, could be weak at times as a run defender, didn't set the edge, a strong edge. But I've been seeing him make good plays um, in the run game too. And, and you know, it, I think he's been an important contributor to this Vikings defense that's been playing really well lately because he's not going to take the... He's not getting – teams aren't devoting extra blockers to stop him. They're still doing that for Daniil Hunter. But it's really important that if he is getting single blocked all the time, that he is beating that block and creating pressure and creating sacks. And I think that DJ Wanham is doing that. So if you if you only – if teams only had Daniil Hunter to worry about and he was the only guy creating a pass rush, I think we'd be in a bit of trouble. But DJ Wanham is giving us that secondary pass rusher who's getting home on a consistent basis, and I think that's pretty important. And and let's look at Davenport is not out for the season. He will, will come back at some point in time, and when he does come back, and he'll be pretty fresh because he's barely played this year. Uh, but I think if you've got Davenport, Hunter, and Wanham, three, that's a pretty good mm-hmm. pass-rushing trio you can throw out there uh, you know, consistently throughout the game. So I uh, really like what DJ Wanham has done for the Vikings, particularly in the past six or seven games. And again, he's doing this. He's only getting paid $2.9 million this year for an edge rusher getting six sacks already, and he's got six games to go. Uh, to be doing that, that again is a very good bargain for the Vikings. Because right, if he hits and, double digits, that's that's big for him. Yeah, that's big and for most defensive ends. Period. It sure is, and that's the kind of depth you want from your secondary non-stars. You you want them to be making plays, mm-hmm. contributing, not being a big zero. Uh, and Dejuanum has been doing has not been a big zero of late the past six or seven games or more and kind of sets up an interesting situation for Kwesi Dovamensa, Dave, because DJ Wanham is in the last year of his rookie contract. Uh, at the beginning of this season, I would have said, hey, Wanham, you know, at the end of this season, leave and I'm, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out kind of thing. But the way he's playing now, if he can keep up that level of play, maybe consider signing him to an extension because it's not going to cost a humongous amount of money and you're probably going to get, you're not re-signing Davenport. (laughs) You're going to need somebody in there and you've got somebody in-house who you know how he plays, looks like he's getting better and you can sign him probably for a pretty affordable vet vet contract. Um, Be interesting to see what what happens here. We'll see. Heads rushers, even, you know, just good ones. Um, 
command a pretty good price, and we'll see how they treat that. I don't know if it's going to be the case. It's going to be interesting. We should see Davenport or start hearing rumblings about him coming back after the bye. He had the tightrope surgery, if I remember correctly, on that high ankle sprain, and that should be about that time period. He should be coming off IR into that three-year, three-week window. So it'll be great to get him back fully healthy in that last stretch of games. We need him and JJ, obviously. And uh, yes. uh, that would be great to have. And then DJ off the shelf, you know, your sixth guy, or however they, however Flores, you know, matches up for that, whatever particular offense we're playing. I think it's a great, great option. And we instantly improve with Davenport back and want him playing well. Obviously, Hunter's playing great, second in sacks as of right now, and that's including. Uh, Thursday's games and Friday's, yesterday's. Um, but we'll have to see. And I hope hope they all come back. They're healthy and they crank up what the Vikings are doing on both sides of the ball. So it should be fun. We shall see. Any last words there on your unsung heroes? Is there any other ones you want to give honorable mention to? Not not me, Dave. It'd be interesting to hear what other people say uh, uh, and think about that. I see that uh, Corey's talking about signing Akeem Hicks. He's he's been brought up multiple times throughout the season as somebody that the Vikings should sign. Nobody signed him as far uh, so far, which leads me to believe that the league does not believe that Hicks has anything left. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, hey. Hicks at his peak was a hell of a football player. Uh, I don't think that those those days. I think those days are over. But um, and I don't think that he's going to get signed. Then there was talk about Shaquille Leonard. The Vikings are collecting information on him. I'd be kind of um, surprised if they signed Leonard, considering that the Colts didn't think he was uh, of any use to them, and he's had a lot of injury problems the past twenty uh, past twelve months or so. So, yep. Corey, yes, defense got winded. It's dealing with that uh, uh, altitude is always difficult. Always. Uh, Purple A is asking, are you still fighting those fires? Uh, no, we're not. Uh, snow on the ground everywhere now. So, Purple A's, um, uh, so the not uh, Ed Ingram, unsung hero. Yeah, Alvin. Yeah, uh, I would. I think that's probably a good one too to to point out. Um, I have mentioned him a couple of times here in this episode, but Ed Ingram right now is miles ahead of where he was this time last year. And you don't hear, or at least I haven't heard anybody lately saying bench Ed Ingram because he's actually playing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but decent. as far as the forest fires goes, yeah, yeah, we're we're out of that stage right now. Although the fires are still burning below the surface, even though the the snow has covered them, um, they, uh, and that's going to be an issue to watch in the May, June of next year, because those fires may have not died in some cases, they're still alive and they could reignite in the, uh, in 2024. Are they burning? All right. Subsurface. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, they, burn so, they burn so deep that they, you know, they can't be there. They haven't been put out and the, and that's even the snow and the ice and the cold isn't enough to put them out because they're burned so deep. And, uh, some people call them zombie fires, which 
the firefighters don't like because uh, <laughs> it gives a negative connotation to fire. Actually, fire is a very important part of the ecosystem. Uh, it allows for regrowth and regeneration of the environment in a lot of cases, and it's a kind of a natural part of the natural environment. But uh, when you have the fires like we had this summer, uh, way too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> one last unsung hero was mentioned, and that was Tino mentioning mentioning a Caleb Evans. Interesting. I I would. My feeling is that Evans has been the weak link of the Vikings defense this year. Uh, hasn't made a whole lot of plays. Uh, been picked on a fair bit. Like when teams tend to target a guy to go after in the passing game, it feels to me like they go after Evans before they go after anybody else. Um, and his his grades aren't very good. But really, Byron Murphy's grades aren't very good either. Like PFF, like they don't like his grades. And they got Makai Blackman as the highest rated cornerback that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but but I think that like the game, the Atlanta game that Evans played, I think that was a, no, he played the Saints game. Did he? I'm trying to, yeah. He got hurt in the Saints game. He played well there, I, I felt, um, particularly in run support. Um, I'm still optimistic about Evans. I think that, you know, he's 6'2, he's got talent. Uh, he just needs to, just refine. needs to, I think, and grow. Yeah, refine and, and get, I think, a little bit, I think he's a bit content or reluctant to make plays on the ball. Uh, and uh, that's and that I think that's where his game needs to step up and go to the next level and make him a better cornerback, a better player. Cool. But thanks for the contribution. Yes, All thank right. you. On to theme three. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Vikings versus the Bears. Part 2. The Sweep. Would love it. You ain't the only one. All right. As normal, we start out with the slide show. Starting with injury reports. These are taken off of yesterday's. Vikings have Caleb Evans, TJ Hawkinson, and Justin Jefferson on it. All limited practices. Nobody on the DMPs, which is good. The Bears have offensive guard Larry Borum, linebacker Noah Sewell, both DMPs, uh, I think it was Borum, if I remember correctly, I was going to mark it, was out for an illness, so he may be back. Illness this time of year can be anything from the flu to whatever sort of crud that knocks you out. And then running back, 
Dante Foreman it was a limited participant. Now, like I said, these came off yesterday's reports, and yesterday was a walkthrough for both teams. So take it with a grain of salt. We'll see what we see come Monday night. Question is, will we see J.J.? We'll get to that, though. As normal, we compare the quarterbacks. Now, this was an interesting one. PFF (laughs) had both Joshua Dobbs and Justin Fields tied in their power rankings at 18. It's the first time I think I've seen ever a tie for quarterbacks. Dobbs is moving up. Yes, Dobbs did move up another one. He is moving up. Now, we get to the more detailed QB stats, and they're there. Everybody can read them. Dobbs has improved on just every last one of those except for, I think he's under pressure, went down by a a tenth of a point. But everything else he's improved on. Now, how does he compare to Justin? You can see there's a lot of green dots on Justin's side. But when you get to DVOA, oh boy, they have a completely different look. They much prefer Joshua Dobbs over Justin Fields. And that, to me, is shocking. Um, And that's looking at their quarterback grades. That's not looking at the Bears grades, the Bears offense grades. That's the quarterbacks. And they have a huge disparity there. When you get to Elias, your box score stats, you can see that uh, Dobbs has a better QBR than Fields, but Fields has got him on rating completion percentage. And completion percentage, um, actually, that's wrong. Yeah, Dobbs has the better completion percentage. So, they... Like like I said, PFF's got them the same quarterback, same power ranking of one one point oh each, same rating rank of eighteen. Same the same guy, basically stats wise. So we'll see. Uh, T Bash, you want a full dance or nothing? Ooh, interesting thought. When we get to offense versus defense, PFF has us as the twenty first offense, bumped up just a little bit. And the Bears is the 27th-ranked defense. When we get to DVOA, we dropped one, one, just one. Went from 16th to 17th overall, 12th in pass, 28th in run. And what dropped us on that one? It was the run for this last week. Elias, we stayed steady at 10th in yards, 4th in passing, 27th in rushing, 11th in points. Twenty. We've taken 25 sacks total. The offense has a combination of all three quarterbacks. And we are 29th in turnovers with 20, a minus six differential. That went the ne- more negative direction after last week. And there's an interesting deal. I'm sure everybody's heard it all week. If the Vikings kept the turnovers no greater or no less than minus two per game, They've won all the games this season. It's when they hit that minus three mark, that third drop, third whatever, turnover, is that when we've lost games. And I think it was out of something silly like, 
if you took that stat, the the difference between minus two and minus three, minus two is something like O'Connell's undefeated. Minus three, he's lost most of those. But that's it's you could never win putting the ball turning the ball over. So it's got to be focused on. Bears and they were defense. talking about Sunday night game, the Sunday night uh, telecast day. They uh, they rolled out a stat that it. it on the road, if you go zero and three in the turnover margin, you're like five and one hundred and ninety. <laughs> mm-hmm. You just never win. It doesn't work. And the Vikings didn't. Yeah. Uh, Bears defense. When it comes to DVOA, they rank twenty fifth. They're not that good. Pass. They're twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. They're eleventh against the run. However, eleventh is respectable. Getting back to. Alexander Madison and the young Ty Chandler. It's going to be an interesting night to see how those guys in that running game develops. Elias Sports has them 15th overall on defense, middle of the pack, 26 against the pass, which is where we want to attack. They have them second against the run, hard team to run on, and they're 29th giving up points, which is always a good thing. We want to play teams that like to give up a lot of points, and Chicago is one of those. They have they rank 32nd in sacks. They only have gotten 15 so far this season. That's barely over one a game. That is not good whatsoever. Josh Dobbs will like that. Takeaways, they, have, they rank 22nd, and they have only gotten 13. We have the Vikings are favored in this one by three points, and the over-under is 43. Flipping the card, Vikings defense dropped just a bit. I think it was one point down to 12th. They dropped, yeah, and they dropped just a bit in DVOA down to ninth. They're ninth passing, ninth running, so they're, they're ninth. There's a... Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> uh-huh. Elias Sports have them moving up, though. Moved up to 12th. And uh, 16th in passing. 8th against the rush. That's Harrison Phillips doing his thing. And they're 14th in points. They are 14th with sacks. They've had 29 sacks. And they have, they're at 20th with takeaways, having 14 the Bears' offense ranks 20th. Now, that's a combination of all the quarterbacks that they've played so far this season. Overall, DVOA is 24th. Pass is 23rd. That's their weak spot. Their run game is ranked 9th by DVOA. It is decent. Yards, they're 20th. Passing, they're 25th. Rushing, they're 4th. In the conventional stats, points, they're 18th. So, not much worse than us, but we're both middle of the package. I would like to get our points up. I'd like to see another 30-plus point game to help with that stat. They have uh, taken 32 sacks. And if you remember the other slide, they'd only gotten 15, so they're doubling, over doubling the amount of sacks they're taking, um, that their quarterbacks are taking versus the ones that they're getting for themselves. Giveaways, they rank 25th with 19, and they are also at a minus six differential. And that's your O 
versus D's of both teams. That leads us to one last slide. Special teams. <laughs> the bane in everybody's backside. Our kickers. All right. <laughs> Vikings actually improved because Joseph hit all his kicks last week. We're now up to 30th. The Bears are not that good either. They're overall 24th. When you break it down for your field goal and extra points, your kicker stat, the Bears are a little bit better, actually quite a bit better. Then you get kickoff returns. Bears are better. But then it gets to punting. Their punting game in all realms, whether it be the punts or punt returns or kick returns, sucks. We are better than they are, and we're not good. And like I said, on this slide, zero is average. If you're minus that, you're below average. Plus, you're above. And the maximum plus I think I've ever seen is like 7.0. So it's that's where it sits. We have toss-up on special teams come Monday night. But, you know, it's indoors in Minneapolis, which means their kicker will not miss a field goal. It just doesn't happen. Santos doesn't miss many of them anyway. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, that brings us to, does this man play? Mm. I don't think he will, Dave. Um, the, oh, 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 I guess a bit of a question, I guess, is that the Vikings have been, Justin Jefferson, Kevin O'Connell have been very consistent lately about saying Justin will only play when he's 100% healthy. Uh, so, but with the Vikings uh, losing, unfortunately, missed opportunity with the, the Broncos game and losing that one because we were the better team. We led in almost every statistical category except turnovers. Uh, and that would have really given us a nice breathing room going seven and four versus six and five gets you a lot of breathing room, more breathing room for the, the wild card position. And we didn't do, we didn't get it done. And you wonder if that'll play into the decisions. Hey, we need JJ. Now we need to, him to add that extra element to of the offense now, as opposed to waiting. And if we'd won, if we beat Denver and we were going into this game, seven and four, I guarantee you, I don't think Jefferson plays. They wait. But now I think that's a little bit in question. I still don't expect to see him, though. And I kind of wonder, Dave, even if he did play, what is his impact going to be? Because, hey, you know, he with Kirk Cousins, you know the connection. They've been playing for almost three-plus years. They know each other inside out. Uh, you know, uh, and but Dobbs is never – how much has he thrown to Justin Jefferson? Has he thrown to him at all? Like – uh, the, I think it's going to take a while for them to, when, even when Justin Jefferson gets back, it's going to take a while for them to establish the connection and maybe they'll never reach it that Cousins and Justin Jefferson had, which means JJ's impact on the game might not be quite what we've become accustomed to. Um, but oh, JJ has me. the talent to oh, yes. make some of Kirk's off-target throws matter. And he will have the same talent to make some of Dobbs but, throws that are, you know, his, I guess, his room yeah, for, I guess it's like room for forgiveness. Sure. I, I, I just wonder, like, whereas Kirk would target Justin Jefferson 15 times a game, is Dobbs going to do that? Right. Um, and, that and, and, of and, 
and there's no way that he has. Kirk knows that if Kirk's in trouble and he's struggling, he knows exactly where JJ's going to be. They're on mm-hmm. the same wavelength. JJ and Dobbs are not there yet. Not even close. No. The closest one that Dobbs has sort of gotten with right so far is TJ Hawkinson. And that's that's it. He's not with Madison. We want him to get more to Madison, but he's not. It's it's yeah. Hawkinson. So Oh, so you know that's a a be nice to see Justin Jefferson, but I think particularly the first game that Jefferson is back, whether it's Monday night against the Bears or against the Raiders in two weeks' time. I don't know if we're gonna see the numbers and see the impact we'd like to see between the jobs, the Dobbs and Jefferson uh, combination. Uh, so I don't know if Jefferson's sitting out. Monday night, if that ends up happening, and I think that's what's going to be the case. If that's going to be as big of a detriment to the Vikings as maybe we we think it would be, um, I think the one thing know, to keep John. in mind is you. Uh, uh, um, what did what was that? I missed that. So, uh, he said he saw the AJ uh, interview with JJ, and Dobbs has yep. been thrown to him in practice. And I know I saw comments by JJ this week that he loves the fact that if things go off schedule. He Mm -hmm. loves that Dobbs can extend the play, and he's very much looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, So I think uh, the one thing to to, do, Corey, I don't think I've reached a conclusion about Addison. Um, Looking up, actually, we're going to talk about that a little bit because uh, I think their their connection has also been uh, impacted a bit. But uh, I I think that um, in this game, um, okay, Bears are three and eight. Uh, and uh, they started off the year horribly. They went 0-3. They lost those three games by as l- no less than 10 points. It was a two-score game in each case, and they lost by 31 to the Kansas City Chiefs. But the Bears in the first three games are not the Bears that right now. They have not been – they played much better since that rough start, and I think it would be a mistake to con- feel that the Vikings are going to roll over the Bears even at home on Monday night because – the Bears team I've been watching lately, they got their issues. They're not a good team, but they're not as brutal as they looked against right. in the first three games. And uh, so, and if you remember in our first game against the Bears, the Bears outgained us. They were better on third down than us. Uh, and they, uh, and so if not for the scoop and score by Jordan Hicks, we may have probably would have lost that game. Uh <laughs> Uh, and that was the first game without Justin Jefferson. But I, I don't think that overconfidence is going to be an issue for the Vikings in, in this one because there are a few things that the Bears do well, and one of them is uh, stopping the run. You've, you've seen the, the the information there. Uh, up until the Detroit got 115 ran for 115 yards on them the last game, but up until that point, the Bears hadn't given up 100 yards to anybody combined right. since game the third game against the Kansas City Chiefs. So they have consistently, you know, doesn't matter who their competition has been, they consistently been tough to run against. And I don't think that Alex, I'm not confident, even though we had our just had our best running game of the year against the Broncos, who are a horrible run blocking team, but uh, our run our defense have a horrible run defense. But I'm not very confident that an Alexander Madison led rushing attack is going to be able to be very successful against the Bears. So again, this kind of comes down to Josh Dobbs. 
and him being our running game, our best runner, and also winning with his using his legs and his arm to help our offense get where we need to be and beat the Bears. Um, you talked about the Bears; they don't have a great pass rush. They're basically going to – they don't like to blitz a whole lot, uh, certainly not as much as the Vikings, but then who does? Uh, they're going to rely <laughs> on – <laughs> Yeah, they're going to rely on four or five guys to, to you know, try to get pressure. It's not going to really work, although they've got Montez Sweat now, and he helps a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, he's another guy, Deb. But I'm not worried about O'Neal and Darisaw handling Sweat and Yannick Ngakwe on the edge. But, again, Dobbs is the guy that – I'm not still. I'm st- still trying to figure out. I've been very pl- pleasantly surprised with how he's, especially how he's passed the ball since he's been a Viking. I wasn't expecting him to be as effective throwing the ball as he has. But uh, what really is his legs, Dave? Matt Eberflus has been in his two years as a head coach has been game planning against immobile Kirk Cousins. The right. you know defending a quarterback with the run has not been something he's had to worry about in his two years. That's. Not the case with Josh Dobbs, who can extend plays with his legs or he can take off and scramble. And I think that's a very important uh, um, aspect of the Vikings offense now. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Chicago defense handles that. (laughs) Um, uh, But because I think that Dobbs right now is almost our best runner. And and and. if he can continue to have success running the ball, um, that just adds a dimension to this offense that we've never had. And it really makes it tough for the defense to, to handle that. But you've also seen how I think Kevin O'Connell is subtly changing our offense a bit and adding wrinkles to it that uh, really um, marry what Dobbs does well. You're seeing, you know, we've ran two wildcat plays in the past two games and they've been led to a walk-in touchdown and a very successful run by Alexander Madison in the red zone. That's on tape now for the bears to worry about. You see where Dobbs is, is taking like being an option. The, the, the RPO stuff is a part of our offense now, not a huge part, but he's doing it. You're seeing him, you know, go wide and like pitching out to the running back, usually Ty Chandler, you know, it looks like the Oklahoma Sooners and Nebraska Cornhuskers Huskers from the 80s and 90s. Uh, that is on tape now. And even the the Hawkinson under center, even though the play did not mm-hmm. turn out the way we liked, those kind of trickery type things, that is on tape now. So we've got a very, uh, you know, a little bit new wrinkles in our offense now that take advantage of the fact that Josh Dobbs is a mobile quarterback who's a threat to run at any time. Uh, I think that's important for the Vikings offense, and I want to see that our Kevin O'Connell c- to continue to try to make it maximize what he's got with Josh Dobbs and his ability to run and work that into the offense. Not a major part of it, but something that they've got to worry about. Passing wise, uh, you know, really, I want to see. You got the photo of Jordan Addison. He's been pretty quiet in the three games since Dobbs mm-hmm. has taken over. Dobbs loves throwing to TJ Hawkinson. That's understandable. But jo- Jordan Addison with JJ, especially if JJ's out, Jordan Addison is the guy who can take the top off a of defense. The explosive big plays, that the 50-yarder that wipes you know, for a touchdown that you know f- allows us to not grind uh, our, a drive and have to in- score in a long-winded type drive. Jordan Addison is the only guy on the offense right now, really, on the wide edge, who can do that. And he's been quiet, so I it's feel it's really important in Monday well, night's game. A lot that, of that is because he's getting a lot more attention. 
true. He's yeah, you know, he he had to face Paulson Adebo from the Saints a couple of games ago. He was one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Patrick Sertain was on him pretty much all the time against Denver. Again, one of the top cornerbacks. Now, and against Chicago, probably Jalen Johnson, another very good cornerback, is going to be shadowing Jordan Addison. So Addison's going to have to win those one-on-one battles. Uh, but I think we have to get him involved and try to open up some of the explosiveness that he provides for this offense so that we don't have to depend on 12, 13, you know, mm-hmm. play drives to score and get Jordan back into the groove of where he was, you know, pre, you know, before the last three games where he was catching a touchdown pretty much every game, right? We need to unlock that big play potential from him against the Bears. And it's going to be tough because Jalen Johnson's a good corner. Uh, you got Kyler Gordon, who's a pretty good corner, and the rookie Tyreek Stevenson's playing a lot now, and he's been getting better. So it it ain't easy on the back end with the, the Bears. Um, so pretty important there. And I think defensively for the Vikings – Defense is playing really, really well. Brian Flores has got the boys rocking. Uh, the Bears, though, they've got a really good rushing attack. You fourth in the league, um, like by the Elias stats. No superstars back there, but Deontay Foreman, uh, Khalil Herbert, and Rashawn Johnson, they have been pretty effective all year in splitting up the carries. And against the Vikings, they were very effective. And the Vikings running game in that game, remember, we only rushed for 46 yards combined that whole game they ran for i think over 150 or more so we didn't defend the run all the well in that game didn't end up hurting us but the vikings defense has been much stouter i feel defending the run lately with brian flores and uh i feel that you know if they can keep the bears from running the ball effectively uh, that forces the Bears to depend on Justin Fields to win with his arm. And I don't think that that is a winning proposition for the Bears. Um, yeah, Fields played really well coming back last week for the most part against the Lions. Um, and one thing that we're really going to have to, I think, um, focus on is that the Lions really were confused. Like the, the Bears uh really incorporated fields mobility in the first couple of drives they the run pass option the the lions defense was really confused as to whether the running back was getting the ball or was field getting the ball and most of the time they made the wrong decision and didn't take fields and he took off and hurt them big time with the running play so the vikings are going to have to be really lock their eyes onto that rpo and make sure they don't commit until they know exactly who has got the ball uh, because if they don't fields is going to tuck it out of the running back's stomach and he's going to take off the way to defeat that is have your defensive end that's who focuses on fields and he hits him every time he comes whether he's got the ball or not hit him yeah he'll eventually get to the point where they'll dish off the ball long before he gets to the defensive end and you don't have to worry that's how that's how that system is beat we played it back in the 70s and 80s with the T and the wishbone and everything else and the veer. Yeah. Anytime you have an option, the man who's responsible for the option is the quarterback. All you got to do is make that quarterback make a faster decision, i.e., I don't want to get hit, so here, hand off the ball or you know, flip the ball out or do whatever he's required to do. That's how you defeat it. And hopefully the man on the screen over there knows that. But the NFL has been so far long 
from that sort of offense. Now it's come back in recent years with the RPO, but they've got players have to relearn that if they've never played that. It's it's very difficult to play if it's your first time seeing an option type yeah. of of system. It's really hard because you you go where you think the ball is, and if yes. the quarterback's good, he's holding that ball in that running back's stomach as long as possible. And you want to tackle that guy, and then you tackle him, and he gets up and he laughs because the ball there it goes. You know, it's heading towards the edge. It turned the edge, and it just gained fifteen yards, and you look like a fool. That's, but that's how you beat defeat that. And you're right. If he has, hopefully the edges, Hunter, Wanham, will keep an eye on that. Keep keep to quote contain. And if they're coming to that side, pop that quarterback every single time. Just get in his face. You don't have to hurt him. Just get yeah. in his face. You know, I'm here. Right? And and that'll that'll change his mind. That'll change their thinking. Because they don't like when big guys hit them. No. Uh, one thing about Fields is, though, even though he played pretty well against Detroit, is one thing you've you've seen from him, I think, if you throughout his time with Chicago is that, um, again, consistently... He's not, you know, you want him to try to beat you with his arm. Uh, and because he doesn't always make the, he misses some easy throws by not, by not seeing the, the hot reads and not making the right reads uh, that forces him to hold onto the ball way too long. And then he takes sacks or has to, you know, or the pocket collapses on him and he ends up running around and having to throw the ball away uh, when maybe he, he didn't have to, if he'd, made the right decision, get into a hot read. He doesn't do that often enough. He can be inaccurate at times on some throws that maybe should be made. You know, hugely athletic, great athlete, can make some great plays uh, and off-schedule off schedule plays and off-schedule throws. But I think if if the Bears have to depend on him to consistently convert downs, first downs with his arm, he's not going to be able to do that over and over and over throughout the game enough for the bears to score enough points to, to beat the Vikings, I think. And interesting because in the first game against Flores, even though he, he didn't play, he got, he got taken out, had to leave with the dislocated thumb midway through the second quarter, I think after Hunter sacked him. So then we got Tyson Bajant, but uh, Flores in that game did blitz a fair amount. But what we've seen, even though we're still blitzing a lot, but the blitzing under Flores has slowly as the season gone on, it's it's reduced a bit. It was well over 50%. Now we're at 47.7%. Still tops in the league, but you know less. And what you saw against Atlanta and uh, even against Denver was that Flores is really messing with minds like he always does, but he he's putting eight or nine guys on the line of scrimmage, but often dropping back, only rushing three. And it's been really effective. They're actually still getting good pressure uh, on the quarterback, just rushing three. Um, and I think that you, you may see that a lot against fields in this game, because if you got a mobile quarterback, Dave, um, you know, what's a way to stop that? Well, you've got, drop guys back in pressure with their eyes on the quarterback. You've got more guys who can tackle him if he takes off and more eyes on him. So, you know, to, to watch for that as opposed to send in the house. And if he escapes off the edge or cuts through a right, the gap where you don't have a pass rusher, then he's got 20, 30 yards down the field and it's a big gain. So I think we're going to see what looks like a lot of opportunities to blitz, but really Flores is probably going to drop back and rush 
try to rush three and see if he can get away with that a lot of the time. Probably. We'll find out. We'll find out. It'll be fun Monday night. It'll be a late game. Obviously, Monday night. It'll be a later live at the two-minute warning. And we encourage everybody to join us there. But prior to the game, we're going to have the Real Forno show at 6 o'clock. It's normal time. And it will be mm. our pregame show. The official, you know, pregame warm-up, last-minute notifications, who's who's on the uh, inactive list, et cetera, et cetera. So we encourage everybody to join us there. Have you got any last projections on this game? Are you picking a winner? Um, now that the uh, the Broncos ruined my streak, I can, <laughs> uh, I, got, I can I can start picking how I feel. I feel like the you know I'm, the Vikings. Um, this is a game that worries me, but all Vikings game worries me because uh, j- that's just the way it goes. But I do feel that the Vikings are going to win this game. Uh, I, one stat to throw out there, though, Dave, uh, and it doesn't mean anything like, oh, is that uh, the Bears are currently on an 0-12 streak against the NFC North. They haven't beaten an NFC North team since two years ago when they beat the Lions. That's a long time to not beat an NFC North team. And with the way the Vikings been turning the ball over, uh, you know, they seem like a team that even playing at home, they're the kind of team that the Bears <laughs> could sneak up. Yeah. Well, they almost stuck up, up on the kittens, you know. So it's not a team and the recipe with the turnover, uh, you know, multiple turnovers in a game that the Vikings have been doing multiple times this year. That's the recipe for actually beating the bears. So, or uh, not beating the bears, but losing to the bears. And I do worry. The the recipe to win is don't drop the rock. That's right. Yes. Yes. Uh, I like that. Jonathan. Just a big, a big, big opportunity, uh, uh, you know, with, with, a few things happened in Turkey Day uh, that helped the Vikings, both in keeping pace with the division and winning the division, and also just uh, your wild card position. Uh, Detroit lost, uh, so if yeah, we win this game, game. We'll, only be, we'll be only a game and a half out of first place with two games to play against Detroit. Uh, that's a positive. And and then the other thing is that Seattle lost, so they're six and six, uh, which helps us in the wild card uh, thing again. But but you got to again, you gotta you gotta beat the Bears, and I don't think it's going to be easy. When is it ever easy for a Kevin O'Connell team? We it seems to come down to the very last drive, very last play every game. I I'd, I'd love to see us boat race them. I don't see it, but I do think that we win. Uh, as again, unless the great equalizer comes up, and that is. We turned the ball over multiple times, and and uh, like we did against the Broncos. Mm-hmm. I heard an interesting stat: the last time we won by seventeen or more was under Zimmer. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, against the the chart. We played the Chargers in L.A. I think that was the last time two thousand. That was two thousand nineteen. That's the last mm-hmm. time we won by seventeen or more. Yep. Hey, I would love to see that this weekend. I'd love to see it Monday. And we hey, were on been... that place against the Saints in the first half, and then we right. took our foot we... up the gap, and yeah, mm-hmm. ended up being a nail biter again. So it's something I think they have to learn. I think it's something O'Connell has to learn. I think the team has to learn. It's okay 
to do to run up the score on people. It's okay to win big. It feels good. It feels actually better. Let's do it. They need to learn that. They need to learn that now, uh, you know, hey, we've got a we've got a one point lead, so let's sit back and defend it until the end of the game. No, stop that. Just go <laughs> for it. Pour on the points like you're pouring on coal. Just keep it rolling. And how about I like that, and, Matt and, Kent. When, they played, when the when the Bears played Detroit, they marched seventy five yards on their first drive of the game. They got the kickoff seventy five yards for a touchdown. They're up seven nothing. And then next the first drive by Detroit, they get an interception on the Lions. That is the start we cannot have Monday night. Right. The Vikings have to take the game by the bull by the horns right away in their first drive, score points, preferably a touchdown, and on the, the Bears' first drive, get a three and out or a six and out with no points. And Because you, you, you don't want to give the Bears belief that they can win the game and, and that uh, you want to create doubt, seeds of doubt in their minds right from the get-go that, oh, you know, we're in for a rough one here tonight. The Vikings got our number. Uh, you don't do that when you allow them to start, the other team to start fast, score points right. on you. And uh, and so, and that is something we have not done very well this year. We have not done well scoring on our first drive. <laughs> like, no, we've been unlike last pretty year. terrible. Yes. No. Hey, it's this weekend started out on Thursday with – the Lions losing, which helps us. And yes, the Lions lost. I'm not going to say the other team won. It <laughs> bothers me a little bit. But anyways, the Lions lost. That helps us. And then we get to close out this NFC North weekend because that was a division matchup with our division matchup with the Bears. And it should be a fun Monday to see how that goes. But... I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving and that their weekend has been fantastic so far. That goes for you as well, Darren. Any last words? No, I have uh, nothing at all. Just uh, thanks to everybody for for tuning in today. Really appreciate your patronage. Yes, absolutely. Business world. Mm -hmm. Good term. With that, what do we say? We say, Skull Vikings and beat the teddy bears. <laughs> Skull Vikings, let's win this game. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcasts as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chumpacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.